0: We're back! We're back! It's a distraction of Drew. That's Roth. How you doing, Roth? Oh, you know. I'm going to leave it there. All right! (laughs) Are you ready for a spooky week? This sounds
1: really scary. I don't know, man. Are there going to be ghosts?
0: (laughs) Zoinks! Uh, (laughs) Roth, uh, we have a very special guest. It's uh, Defector's own Justin Ellis. Say hi, Justin.
2: Hi, guys. this is already off to an auspicious start. I feel like um, anytime uh, you have a group of, of uh, guys together, it's automatically called a podcast. So you now <laughs> it's just officially officially a podcast. That's
1: true. Can, we can tell each other scary stories and make s'mores. I think this will be a great opportunity for us to bond.
2: <gasps> yeah, I- well, this is not a good opportunity for me because I am a, a well-known scaredy cat and have zero tolerance for... Uh, for scary movies so yeah let's just get into it i'll be hiding behind the couch the entire time
0: (laughs) can i can i ask you does um the scary movies does like a suspenseful movie count or are you just talking horror movies
2: i you know because i am uh enough of a coward i can't really tell you what the distinction is i will say (laughs) though that um so my partner, Mitt, too, she, she loves, 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 loves uh, scary movies, suspenseful movies, whatever you want to say. And so last year, uh, during Spooky Season, she's like, listen, you know I love these types of movies. How about we make a deal that, like, you don't have to watch any kind of scary movie at all the other months of the year. But in October, <laughs> as a concession, you will watch scary movies. So we ended up watching... Um, Midsummer which uh I think was probably more suspenseful and I enjoyed. We also watched Hereditary by the same director if I'm correct. Yep. And that scared the living shit
0: out of me. That's a horror uh, movie. That's just a yeah. movie. so
2: there there's stuff in that movie that literally like I still see if I close my eyes. Um but also, you know, shout out to Toni Collette, uh great actress.
0: I'm trying I was thinking of like um like 7 what struck me as a suspense movie. I wouldn't call that a horror movie, though. But it's like gross and like it's got freaky shit in it. But I don't get. Yeah, I, I, I a... mean,
2: I think movies like that where where the jump scares and the gore are not the drawing attraction. Like I can, I can, I can rock with that. Um, and because we are all we are all gentlemen of a certain age like you know i do remember watching the creep show movies from like back in the day mm-hmm. and i remember those being more like oh this is definitely more of like a spooky situation and then something jumps out and like it gets scary but not in the way where the movies today are just like we're going to actually show you someone chopping up a human body uh, <laughs> with intricate detail for ninety minutes.
0: Yeah, I get that. Was there a specific uh, event in your youth that caused you to hate scary movies? Like, did you see Psycho way too young, like I did, or were you just always nat- preternaturally? <laughs> were you
1: attacked by a Freddy as a child?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Uh,
2: uh, growing up in the the state of Minnesota, uh, I was uh, attacked by an snowman of some kind, like Jack Frost. <laughs> uh, a holiday movie, not a horror movie. But um, no, I think this was just always my predisposition. Um, I wrote something for the newsletter the other day about one of my earliest memories of being terrified of things. And honestly, it was the Michael Jackson thriller video Yes, that yeah, same. I watched actually... when I was, I think four years old and i had to i made sure to to text my mom to confirm this because i was like i want to make sure that i'm getting this memory correct and she's like oh yeah you were terrified that probably was not a good thing for you to watch and i'm like whoa there was like a whole let that happen
1: there was like a whole genre of movies like that that uh channel 11 used to run the local movie station where i grew up they would call it shocktober and it was movies from that era of the 80s where it was like they were horror movies that were mostly jokes, but there was still, like, so you could watch them if you were a kid. And yet, like, there was still enough scary shit in it that, like, I didn't have the capacity to, like, not, you know, to, like, let my guard down and then also bring it back up. So I'd be watching something. I'd be like, oh, this is silly. Like, these guys are in an argument. And then, like, one of them would get disemboweled by a zombie. <laughs> and I would be, and it was very difficult for me, like, just to, like, sort of toggle back and forth. The thriller video, it's like half of it is the choreographed Broadway-style dancing by, like, decomposing, uh, you know, like, professional dance types. But, yeah, like, the scares at the beginning and the end were a lot.
0: Yeah, I had to leave the room w- during his, like, when he becomes the werewolf in the... Yeah. Like, on the walk home or whatever. Like, I... And then I would go back and watch the rest of the video when they're doing the dance and all that stuff. And then, at the end, he turns to the camera with the yellow eyes, and I would freak out all over again. Yeah, then it's
2: all over. <laughs> yeah. Then it's all over. But I, I think it just... It, I think that set a bad precedent for me because, you know, as as another example, and again, I'm dating myself, but um, I couldn't handle it. I remember not being able to handle it watching E.T. in the latter parts of the film when E.T. gets sick and is like this withering ghost of an alien and his like heart is is like this red beating exposed thing. And I was like, this is too close. to horror for me in my in my adolescent brain like this is too much i'm tapping out and that basically just set the stage for my entire life so i can't i can't really handle uh too much gore like i i will i am a six foot three man who will full fully and willingly hide behind any (laughs) surface to not watch something scary on the television
0: i can't watch that you've
1: embraced (laughs) that identity as an adult That you're not like, yeah, I don't, it doesn't happen to me anymore. Now you're like, no, I just don't like being scared, so I'll go into another room.
2: Listen, I think we need to be able to expand (laughs) the definitions of masculinity and... (laughs) To uh, include
1: cowardice.
2: To include, yeah, like, seriously, (laughs) listen... Uh, Shaggy had it right. I know you guys were riffing before, but Shaggy had it right. Like, if Fred wants to be, if Fred wants to be the the macho alpha, like, let him walk through that door. Let him do that. Like, let me just hang back in the van with this dog and get really high and eat some <laughs> snacks.
0: Did you like, say that's, that's fine? Did you say Shaggy? No, we're not doing. We're not
2: doing. We're not. I don't think
1: we're gonna do that one. I'm not that's a different Shaggy. I'm not here for this. <laughs> it's,
0: like whoa, Scoob! That's my Shaggy. That's as good as I can get. Uh, was, okay. Casey Kasem
2: is rolling. Yeah, story.
0: that was Casey Kasem's voice. Fa- just, just he was fantastic. He was really, yeah. and he did Shaggy too. He did the fucking yeah. dog. Can't believe that's
2: it. That's the joke.
0: That's the joke. Hey, speaking of uh, speaking of horror movies, the World Series. How about oh, the uh, the ending of wow. the World Series? <laughs> really, Effortless. <laughs> I would say this is an emergency podcast, but it's going to air like uh, a day or two after. Uh, a try an otherwise triumphant uh, return to form for the Dodgers for the first world series since 1988 turned to a goddamn super spreader event because Justin Turner had an inconclusive COVID test in the second inning, which is weird enough. And then it came back positive in the fucking eighth. And then he was quarantined for what? Eight minutes before they won the game. And he came back out onto the goddamn field and he took his fucking mask off for a team photo. I have, uh, I shouldn't be surprised by any of this and I'm really not and yet it's just like oh
1: Roth. Yeah. I've had a hard time formulating a take if I'm being honest. It just fucking bums me out.
0: Yeah. What's the take? Is there a take out of this Justin or is it just is it just, I just, I just want to go barf into a metal no, bowl. I mean,
2: I honestly, I think the take is, the take is what we've all known. And if there's a place to explore this take, it is uh, Defector.com. Make sure to go uh, subscribe right now, kids.
1: Defector.com.
2: Defector.com. Uh, Defector. uh, use the special offer code <laughs> <where this> is <laughs> making voices. Um, but, no, I mean, I think the take is that, like, uh, all that all that matters to any league whether it is the NFL, whether it is MLB, whether it is the NCAA, is just putting the product out. And I don't want to go down the road of any kind of conspiracy theories about all of these things and about like what MLB knew and when. Uh, but the fact is very simple that if this guy got a test, you should hold him back no matter what. There should be no pleading with it. There should be no, this guy deserves to be out on the field. Like that's It doesn't matter. And I think the thing that continues to be baffling to me, just outstandingly baffling, is that athletes know that COVID basically is just like a randomizer for what it does to your internal organs and your capacity to like breathe and for your heart to operate. And any one of them taking a chance with that and what that will do to their future prospects seems insane to me. So I think the take is that This was obviously demonstrably bad, but MLB let this happen. The Dodgers organization let this happen, and they should all be ashamed of themselves. I'm
1: inclined to agree on that. Just in terms of it, expecting like a pro athlete to make a good individual choice is like that's an it's a nice thing to expect if you think that that's a thing worth expecting. I personally will not expect that ever from a pro athlete, but like you have to it shouldn't necessarily be in their hands. Like it feels like an institutional failure. It is an institutional failure that goes well beyond MLB itself, but it just sucks to have it like kind of rubbed in your face. Ray wrote about it this morning and used the phrase victory without joy. And I think like there clearly was a lot of joy on the Dodgers part. It's just like, it's really hard to feel good about having watched that world series right now.
0: Yeah. And the, the other thing was Manfred after the fact, like like he did an interview, I believe it was Tom Verducci. I couldn't quite tell if it was Tom Verducci because Tom Verducci was wearing a mask. Manfred wasn't. And everyone was like, is Rob Manfred drunk? Because he was like slurring his words. And then he was saying, like, I'm so sick of hearing the, you know, this is like any other. Unlike, yeah. any, uh, like just saying like, oh, it was so unusual. And there was such adversity and all this shit. <laughs> and And then he goes out. To give out the trophy and everyone in the stadium's booing the living shit out of them. And these are people who aren't wearing masks themselves. These are like lunatic Texans who are openly flouting the fucking COVID thing. And and they're booing the shit out of Rob Manfred, because even they think he's irresponsible. So if you've pissed off that crowd, <laughs> it's just a remarkable feat of fuckery on your part. I can't I, it's really. also
1: worth mentioning that there's there's any number of good reasons to boo Rob Manfred. If they were booing him because they thought he was being irresponsible, that would be great. If they are booing him because he was in charge of baseball, like, or, you know, booing him for the same reason that, like, I don't know, you might boo Vince McMahon if you went to a wrestling yeah. event. Like, that's fine, too. <laughs> like, just follow your heart. Just don't clap, you know? Light him up. He did get fucking—that was a delight. One of the few— things to feel okay about at the end of the game was Manfred absolutely getting torched you by
0: know, fans. You know why it was good? It was because everyone boos Goodell, and Goodell's so used to it, it just bounces right off of them. Like, Goodell doesn't yep. give a shit. But Manfred doesn't have the experience of the booing process down the way that Goodell <laughs> had. So you could tell he was a little shook, Justin. A little shook.
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, if you are the commissioner of a pro sports league, your soul has to die. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah, you don't get somewhere. you don't get the an interview for the job if they think that there's like an active, you know, you know. ethical compass
2: you know, there. I'm pretty sure that for to to get at that level, at some point, you are taken by the board of governors to the precipice of a volcano and asked to throw a kitty or a puppy. <laughs> in. I Now
1: we now we trust you to negotiate a collective bargaining agreement. Basically,
2: it's like yeah. this: you, the kitty you see before you is actually a player; it's a veteran. <laughs> no one cares if it lives or dies. I Do re- what you must.
0: I remember somebody I knew interviewed at Huffington Post. I think I've told this story before. Uh, this is back when, like. Like it was actually run by Ariana Huffington, and uh, and her cabal of like sleep enthusiasts or whatever the fuck, and uh, and the interviewer asked, you know, do you do you consider yourself a competitive person or or yeah, do you do you work well with others or do you consider yourself more competitive person? And the guy was like, oh no, I I, I like being a team player. I like working with other people. You know, I, I appreciate feedback and then giving it to other people. And then they said. Yeah, no, that's actually not what we're looking for. We uh, we want people, we want people who are competitive and and want to get that certain edge. And he was like, "What the fuck kind of place is this?" Yeah. So so Rob Manfred could have worked at Huffington Post. Very very. Yeah,
1: easy. he's got the those like eat what you kill vibes, like which is <laughs> and that was his role. I, I remember going back, um, back at the old site, writing about uh, you know the basically the option of forcing out the Will Ponds as owners because they were. Derelict and also because I didn't like them or whatever. And I used as an example for that, the um, the MLB had a leadership has basically never forced an owner out. But the last one they did was the person that owned the Dodgers before the current group did. The McCourt. Uh, yes, Frank McCourt. And in that case, it was like they basically uh, got rid of McCourt because he had – Went off on his own and renegotiated the team's TV contract because he was gearing up for an extremely expensive divorce from his wife. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, Just fantastic people all around. But the person that did all the, like the hammer for Selig in all of that was Manfred. That was like his, basically how he put himself on deck to become the commissioner was that he was like the designated asshole for.
2: (laughs) Yeah. He was the hired goon.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Which, no. And
1: they were like, "This is a guy we can trust because, like, he certainly will smash someone's dreams if, like, the owner of the pirates tells him to do it."
0: I think,
2: yeah, uh, I think, I think overall, the it, it's, it's it's incredible that the lasting thing from this will be uh, what happened with Turner and not um, uh, not the Rays just completely imploding. Um, by giving up the starting pitching when they didn't need to, you know, when you gotta just ride the pitching out. And instead we're talking about the fact that uh the Dodgers are now a super spreader event.
0: Yeah, I was I was gonna say I love a good managerial fuck up in the World Series. And uh, and Kevin Cash pulling Blake Snell after Snell had thrown what, four pitches? <laughs> like, yeah.
1: This was a really good series for that too. That this was like um a- you know that that video where the guy's like, "You can't do it on concrete," and then he like tries to do a dance move and just lands on his head. <laughs> yeah. This was like Dave Roberts <laughs> and Kevin Cash doing that back and forth in like a battle format, like basically managing wise for the entire series.
0: Yeah, I uh, want Cash
1: had the last one.
0: I want that to be the headline. I don't need to hear Grady Little's name ever again. I need someone to usurp that so that we just have a go-to reference for a manager just completely bonering a world series. Yeah. You know what I mean, Justin?
2: Yeah. Uh It was fun whenever they would cut to the dugout and you just, you just see the, the seething that is taking place <laughs> on the raised bench. And it's yeah. just like, I, I don't know what cash is going to do after this. You know, it's like, Oh man, what is cash going to do? He's got to go back to that clubhouse and they might actually kill this man. Yeah. I mean,
1: it definitely has that feeling of like, Snell, too, is also, like, kind of a spicy baseball dirt bag, like, in, like, a good way, like, the good kind of dirt bag. But he's, like, he'll, like, go on Twitch in, like, a month and say something way out of pocket about this. And, like, that's, I mean, that's fine, too. That is how they're, you know, how we deal with things now. But I to me, like, the idea that that was, it was shaping up as, like, you know, the different conversation we could have been having today if Justin Turner... Does not do all the things he did or test the way that he did would be like it it would be like a cheesy rerun of the whole like analytics versus actual baseball stuff and that was right. like what a rod was apparently pushing after the game, and this idea that like cash was sort of like following the you know the the spreadsheets by pulling his pitcher after seventy odd pitches and five and a third innings and like I don't really think that there's a spreadsheet that suggested that either. I think it was managing to a script. I think that's like basically what the Rays have always done. And Snell hasn't pitched deep in games this year very much. And, you know, that's, I suppose, like if it was your reflex that you're like, well, it's a sixth inning. It's time to get this guy out of there. He's already thrown, you know, 104 pitches when he's thrown, you know, 30 fewer than that. Then like, that's just being jumpy. That's getting nervous in a
0: World Series. Like it's like what Drew said, like just an old fashioned fuck up. Dude, I do all an old it was that, that hook, yeah, I think a lot of people mistook it for analytics. And like I've you know, I've crossed that Rubicon where, you know, I used to refire fire Joe Morgan all the time and you know, and joke about all the fucking old newspaper guys who would bitch about analytics and all that stuff. Like, oh, nerds are taking over the sport. And then, you know, and then the Astros happened, and it's like, oh my God, look at these private equity yeah. bastards. I'm I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not calling them nerds cuz they're different somehow even though they even though they basically did the same shit nerds would have done
2: yeah because they're rich because they won i mean what's yeah. the
0: difference no but them? also i think because they're like McK- is
1: like are mckinsey dudes nerds to you or are they like va- like supernatural creatures I'm vampires i
2: i think i think actually they are they're some if, if this was like a uh, a role playing game it would be like they're some sort of hybrid between a jock and a nerd that's that what i was gonna ult- say. <laughs> that is that is ultimately like a vampire you know where it's like they they definitely will have the presentation of a jock right uh uh but they will actually try to like do jock shit through numbers on yeah you, you know
1: that's but, something that i think we maybe couldn't have imagined when we were growing up and getting like the whole like slobs versus snobs and like you know like nerd comedy things is that like Nerd bullies are actually the worst of both worlds. Yeah. And that's like what we're, that's like Astro
2: shit, full stop.
0: That's pop culture now, too. Like, yeah, absolutely. We've had, I mean, that take has been around now since the 2010s.
2: Release the Snyder Cut. You heard it
0: here. Those guys. Oh, dude. And that's going to cost Warner an extra 70 million bucks to, to re-cut it. Because that. they have to like digitally add rain
1: to every shot in the film. <laughs> like even interiors. <laughs> <laughs> right. they got a it.
2: special filter that is just like uh, uh, the, the sort of despair filter. Like, we need to push <laughs> wash that over every frame of this film. I love the um, idea. that
1: It's, like, so dark that you have to get, like, special... Whatever the opposite of 3D glasses are, like, in order to see any of the images on screen, you have to wear those. So it must right. be experienced theatrically.
2: Yeah, you know, the right. I, love, I love that there there was... In one of the reporting pieces on it recently, it was, like, they're going to end up spending... Because I think there was an interview with the head of HBO Max, but, you know, they're going to end up spending something like 30 million... Or more, probably more on this for a subscription service that like has somewhere around I, I want to say like less than 10, 000, uh, 10 million subscribers, five million, something like that. And it's an absurd number. It's
0: really it's, it's seventy million. It's seventy million bucks.
1: It was going to be thirty, and now it's looking like seventy. Uh, which is un- I mean, it's a fucking ransom payment too. <laughs> All, t- <laughs> it is like a full on like a Twitter <laughs> ransom payment.
0: <laughs> it's funny because I had to I had to watch uh, the Entourage movie for a GQ assignment, and I actually I enjoyed the Entourage movie because my expectations were nothing. But the plot of the Entourage movie was that Vinny Chase was allowed to make a hundred million dollar movie, but he needed an extra like fifteen million for effects, and that was the conflict of the movie. That was like the crisis. And of course, he got it at the end, and then they made the fucking movie. But I remember, I remember being like, "That's the plot point." Okay, we got we got two hours of that. Those are
2: simpler times
0: yeah the screen- in screenwriting
1: uh, terms you would call that like what is the reason for Jeremy Piven to yell slurs into a motorola phone and that's like you start with that and then you build the whole plot
0: backwards from there that's amazing they're gonna right. put seventy million extra in the movie. the movie's still gonna look like shit. it's gonna be longer than once upon a time in America <laughs> and like you were talking about like like the old movies on like channel eleven was that p i x by the way is that it was p i x on um, p i x where Like, those movies freaked me out, like Fright Night and stuff like that, because since I'm being an old fart, like, the old horror movie effects freaked me out because they were analog effects. So, you know, they were, like, they were done with makeup, uh, and they were done with, like, Rick Baker, like, you know, like, you know, gluing individual hairs onto, like, someone's, like, eyeballs and shit like that. And that all freaked me out. The computer stuff, I'm just, like, uh, like, CGI horror, I just can't, I'm just, I don't give a shit. I can't. It doesn't phase me one way or another. Snyder Snyder's watch one movies. of those guys where
1: knowing that there's people that think he's a genius makes me feel insane.
0: Yeah, it's just bad standards, you know. I
1: liked uh, the first movie he made was uh, a Dawn of the Dead remake, and I think it's super fun and good. Like you can really see that he has talent, but the, he's just been indulged in all of these ways that, like, to me. I, like I just don't I, I, that I don't understand how you could see it. Like I don't understand how you find that in the experience of watching his movies. Like it doesn't compute for me.
2: No, I I I was a a very small lowercase d defender of Man of Steel uh, because I thought that he was trying to do something interesting in that where if you treat Superman's arrival as like a, a earth first contact alien story, it's like, Oh, this yeah. is actually an interesting take that like we haven't seen before. And then, you know, because it's a Superman movie, you got to like mix in all the dad feel shit. Um, and, you know, I'm sure that Zack Snyder just thought that he was making his like field of dreams, but then, then he just gave into his impulses and it turned into a loud, noisy orgy of like chaos and destruction. And I think that's just been his template forever. And I think it's the latter that people latch onto and say it's gritty, it's real, it speaks to this era yeah. that we are in. And I don't think it speaks to the era that we are in in good ways.
0: I yeah. always like that people are like, I just like that it's so dark, and and like it's only because it's literally dark. Like they mistake like dark, yeah, like li- like a total absence of competent lighting. As like a proper mood setting. Like like oh, yeah. I just love the tone of it. I love everything's so washed out and I can't actually see like five feet past any character. It's like like it's like Clint People Eastwood. Say
1: they like dark movies, but like don't understand that that's like a me- like a word that means another thing. Like they literally think it means like movies that are set at night.
0: Yeah, that's like right. like they borrowed a set that Clint Eastwood was using after Clint Eastwood had done his three takes for the day and taken a fucking nap. <laughs> it's one spotlight. Hey, I have breaking news in. for you, Justin. Uh this will not be That's breaking right. by the time this post, but Wisconsin has announced uh, via Heather Dinich uh that it will pause all team-related activities for at least seven days, and their game against Nebraska will not be played. That's because all their quarterbacks got coronavirus. <laughs> Literally all their fucking and the
2: thing well, that to be fair, to be fair, like one of them injured the I think the first string quarterback injured Heard his, his foot. foot. But, yes. But then the other two, yeah, came down with COVID and uh I I don't know about you, gentlemen, but I have not been able to stomach college football at all this year. And no, can't it's, do it. It, it, it's the, it. it enrages me. I'm doing the Madeline Kahn from Clue thing now. Like flames, <laughs> flames <laughs> right. out of the side of my face because... We, I mean, listen, we all know as a bedrock that the NCAA is a scam, and every time that they talk about being stewards of, of young people and and, and uh, that old commercial campaign of they're all going to go professional in something other than their sport, it's all trash. Yes. But the fact that they can't, on a very basic level, look out for the health and well-being of these students is the thing that kind of pushed me over the edge this year, because Again, going back to what we were talking about with the dodgers uh justin Turner at least if he if if it is actually confirmed and i think it is at this point that he has uh covid you know he's at least had a career, and if he has lasting health effects because of that he he's had a career if the second or third string quarterback from Wisconsin end up with having heart murmurs, lung problems. You have ruined this person's life, and at yeah. what cost? For the TV revenue of, 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 of a Big Ten matchup? It's absurd.
0: It kills I me, mean, me, too. that's a lot of
2: TV revenue, though. It,
0: it kills me, too, because they, they canceled their season. And Kevin Warren, the commissioner, got pressured back into restaging it after Nebraska and Nebraska parents pissed and moaned and Said this, you know, this needs to happen, and he got pressured into changing his mind. And now they started the season, and they're not going to stop it. but like, they're just not going to stop it, and it's going to be the same as the pro sports. But like you said, Justin, at least with the pro sports, you know, I, I, I they're paid, they're, they're grown professionals. Uh, you know, you know, they, they, they have their, they are, they have their careers. They're in the midst of their professional careers and their lucrative careers. This is totally different because it's not. There's no central management at all there's uh you know there's no chance there's very little chance of most of these guys becoming professionals and becoming rich, and they're not getting paid and they're certainly not getting educated like they're not going to fucking class, so it's like i just it just kills me that I know this is going to keep going they're going to play out this season they're not going to cancel college football. it just drives me nuts, justin there's something well go ahead, Justin
2: no, I think the only thing that I would add to that is that I think. Uh, what we're seeing is that these programs are just uh, incredibly mismanaged and incredibly cynical to, to the point where um, even though they have a different standard of testing than, they, than say, like the rest of the campus, um, it, still, it still doesn't matter because the logistics of trying to put on college football it seems like you still expose these kids to so much risk that it doesn't matter how you try to mitigate it. And I I'm just it it makes me so angry to think that this is something that happens and it's something that that, you know, people are going to be okay with. I, I think about some of those early games in the season and sort of the trajectory of college football right now where you have coaches saying, Open up the stadiums, you know, and there was the Yeah, the, Dan I,
0: Mullen I for, did that, the piece of shit. Yeah. yeah. And, then and he got
1: COVID. The, because there's no metaphors anymore.
2: Nope. <laughs> but it's, then you also had the game where there was the student section, and I can't remember what game it was. a you know, Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the student section goes nuts. They had to break it up. They're dumping f- beer on the field and on, on you know, receivers scoring touchdowns. And it's just like, I, what? I don't know. There, there comes a point when it becomes too much to bear that this is all for the sake of entertainment. You know, I think people talk about, like, Rome burning a lot and talk about analogies there, but there's something very disturbing and disgusting about the fact that this disease continues to rage on in a lot of the corners of the country where college football is a religion, and they act as if nothing is happening, and we're putting kids' lives on the line. It's, yeah. that,
1: last bit. it's that last bit that gets me so much. I mean, I just feel like people... Like, People are still dying in fucking droves from this nine months in and whatever, eight. And that experience of it, like the trauma of, you know, each of those individual deaths, but then also like what it means in these communities where, you know, 100 people die in a state, you know, in a city or whatever every day. And, you know, thousands across, you know, a thousand in the country. Like, that is meaningful shit, and it's just not in the conversation anymore. Yeah, the – Like, this is now – because it's the idea – I don't know if it's the assumption that these aren't people you know, that these are people who have to be, you know, like, working in a store or playing college football for you, that they're people that serve you, the protagonist of reality. Or if it's just, you know, what – something that Drew and I were talking about, a piece by Wallace Shawn that I'll link in the blog under this, that basically – that people don't want to care about other people and that there's something liberating now about the idea of just forgetting it, turning it off. That's right. But whatever it is, man, it fucking sucks to watch. Yeah. Like, yeah.
0: Because the, uh, you know, like the, the people who have died so far have been largely invisible. Um, and there, and there have been people talking about like, we don't have like any, we don't have any tributes to them. We don't have like, we don't even have a memorial up yet, even though there I, I assume there has to be one at some point. But also, the people who survive it and have terrible, terrible symptoms that could be permanent and permanently crippling, they're also invisible. And those college players, like, and and a lot of other professional athletes, even Justin Turner, they may also have heart and brain dysfunction. And I've had a dysfunctional brain and I still have one. So I know about this shit. (laughs) Um, And the idea that, you know, that they're just going to live with this and they will do so in the shadows because people got what they wanted out with out of them early on kills me. Cause I keep thinking like, and I said it this morning, but I don't really believe it. I was like, it's going to take someone famous dying for like yeah. people to wake up and fucking get it. Like it's going to take like Tom yeah. Brady dying of coronavirus for me to get. And they but they don't die because they have access to the best resources. Like fucking Trump yeah. gets it and then like licks every doorknob in the White House and then they he he gets flown to Navy med a mile away from my house and they shoot him full of fucking radioactive uh you know spider venom or whatever and now he's all fine. And it's like people just don't get it because the, they're not seeing the consequences in real time, of people they know who are prominent actually suffering and dying from this disease. So
2: Drew, I don't know if you know this, but America doesn't do consequences.
0: No! We're not real big on that one. <laughs> no! I think, I
2: think the thing that I, I mean, to what you were saying, it's, it's really, because our memories are so short right now, but this all got real for me, and I think for many people back in March when everything was shutting down and the, one of the first people we find out who gets diagnosed is Tom Hanks. Yeah. Amer- America's dad got the COVID actor, Tom early Hanks. on. <laughs> Beloved actor, Tom Hanks uh, <laughs> known for such movies as splash and bachelor party. Um, <laughs> but you know, for me, that's like, we got to take this. We got to take this seriously. Um, But no one cares. But just back to college basketball, college football real quickly for just one second, because this was reminding me of a conversation I had recently with a friend who covers college football. And we were debating this and he said, you know, one of the things that is overlooked is that sadly, a lot of the athletes are looking at this and saying, I have to have my shot to play. They don't want they they, to think about putting it off to them is is insane and, you know, either it ign- neglects the immediate needs to their career or to their family. Um, and there is obviously something that is real about that. There's obviously something that is wrong with that. But that's sort of one of the factors that, again, if we're talking about the role of institutions, whether it is the Dodgers or whether it is the Wisconsin Badgers, um, at some point you have to step in and stop people. And I think again that's what it all comes back to
1: yeah or tell people what to do give people some framework so that they can make a responsible choice or not but at least understand what the options are we just have we
0: haven't even done that all right we're gonna we're gonna take a break we'll come right back all right we're back justin are you ready for your first sip of the poison chalice
2: it's just like drinking my first Coors Light. I don't want to, but I did it anyways.
0: <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's the manly thing to do. So let's get right let's into it. Let's taste the fucking Rockies. Th- I have two sips for you, but the uh, you know the Dodgers fall out. We had no no real takes beyond the obvious of just being horrified by it. But thankfully, thankfully, we're gonna have we're gonna have some takes this week from other people onto which we can graft our own takes. So from the immortal Alana Rizzo uh reporter and host on SportsNet LA after the Dodgers victory she said Justin Turner is finally on the field holding the World Series trophy he deserves this so much something's missing from that tweet alana
2: mm. i have to say he he earned
1: it he earned the right to to endanger his friends and family
2: yeah it's it's kind of crazy when you think about the fact that uh sports trophies literally are designed uh, to be passed around, you could not find a better totem to to in, to spread plague throughout a group of people. Here, take, here, take this pointy, weird gold object that I have breathed and put saliva <laughs> and my grubby hands all over that I just got a COVID test back from. Touch it. Go ahead, touch it. Also, and bring your kids Bring your kids on the field and also your loved ones. Maybe your Nana. Like, let's get them all down here for this celebration. Everybody, everybody kiss, your kiss wife. this
1: surface. Let's kiss this surface together, man. <laughs> and it's Getting the together ugliest with the trophy. Homies.
0: It's the ugliest sports trophy. It yeah. sucks. So At least like, you
1: can't a- drink out of it or anything. Like, the Stanley Cup thing is, like, that felt like the first act of a horror movie to me. Like, it's a testament to how oh, well yeah. that bubble worked. But it's, like... <sighs> They're just the the biggest, like, sports yutzes that have ever existed. All these, like, Canadian gourds out there that, like, do not <laughs> obey any rules or laws. And they're like, yeah, drink out of it. Like, then give it to your buddy so he can
0: drink out of it.
1: Like And kill- so now it seems like no one really got sick from that.
0: It kills me because these guys care about their bodies. Even baseball players, like, they like, you know, they spend the entire offseason, like, carefully calibrating their muscle mass and all this shit. And yeah, then... but
2: baseball players are also notoriously dumb. I mean, how many, <laughs> of these guys, how many of these guys are also fans of like, well, I'm not going to change up my jock strap because it's been lucky for me, or I'm not going to change the way I part my hair because the last time I did that, I was in a batting slump. Uh, you already see a version of this with some of the quotes from a, the other Dodgers players saying, oh, he deserves to be out here. You know, it, uh, it doesn't sit well with me that he's not out here. Tough shit yeah there is going to be a chance for him to celebrate i don't know if you guys know this but as the now winners of the world series you can dictate whenever you want to celebrate it's no one's going to take the title away from you all you had to do was lock that man in a broom closet and then a month from now in sunny la you can be like we're gonna celebrate with justin turner
0: yeah Yeah.
1: i I feel bad for him honestly like i always liked justin turner he was uh the Mets waived him because the ownership didn't like him that was that was a long time ago that was before he became like a you know whatever star quality player on a world series champion Uh, I'm not going to get into that there's no reason to talk about it but too late as much as I as I feel badly you know for him in that regard like the idea that like somehow it's not real if he's sick or whatever that You know, that like other, the issue is that other people could get sick from this stuff and not be taken care of as well as him. A lot of people could. And that's like just really, that's got nothing to do with deserve. Like it's not like the clubhouse attendant that has like shitty insurance, like normal person insurance, who maybe gets sick as a result of all this. Like they don't deserve to get sick any more than he, you know, has a right to be out there. Like it just, this is a thing everybody does for everybody else or they don't.
0: That's what kills me. It's like, oh, I can't miss this. It's like, how much shit have the rest of us missed for a year? A year. I yeah. saw so my par- I've seen my parents once. I was gonna see my parents this fall again, but my mom got a little too freaked out by the spike, so I can't see my parents again. I haven't seen my sister. I haven't seen my brother. You know, since the summer, like, like we've all missed a lot of shit, and we're all su- a lot of us are sucking it up, and the other people who aren't are making us suck it up longer. And that is what pisses me off. Your next drink from the Poison Chalice is from Matthew Iglesias of Vox, who's just an endless fount of poison and shit. Mm, a burbling spring. We got a, uh, we got a deleted tweet out of the man, Justin. Uh, this one uh, he deleted after uh, Michelle Duggar was confirmed to the uh, Supreme Court. Said <laughs> I almost said, I almost feel dumb saying this, but I feel like Roe versus Wade being overturned is going to be a really big deal in politics. In a way that's kind of getting overlooked right now. <laughs> yeah, no one's noticed that except every goddamn woman in America. You idiot! It's
1: absolute Bill Simmons energy. I love that post.
0: <laughs> I think
2: that uh, Maddie here is serving is, is like suffering from a case of terminal DC writer brain. Yes, which is that which is that you know this thing that is 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 being constantly covered and a thing that is uh on the minds of many women if not all women in this country to say uh people who (laughs) support see uh uh and and love women it is on their minds as well to say something to this to this degree just shows how ignorant and insular you are to say like oh this thing is being covered but I don't know if people quite get it yet. Because the, the, the thing that is is locked inside that is him sort of saying, well, I've got a nugget of wisdom and I'm going to share it at some point because this hasn't been fully, fully delved into. <laughs>
1: yeah. Like it's
0: not been covered until it's been covered by Matt Iglesias. It's, just, is, it's, definitely, it's definitely a sister take to like, no one cares about the Hatch Act outside of Washington when like there are like polls saying like, actually, yeah, people don't actually want The president staging political rallies like from his goddamn balcony. So, yeah, I mean, it's similar. I think there's
1: the difference that I would point out with this is that it's like it's a specific type of like voxy energy that like he embodies more than anyone else, which is that like there's no problem in the world that cannot be understood by somebody with an undergraduate degree from Harvard or (laughs) Yale (laughs) and like and better explained to like normal like people who like maybe I wouldn't be able to understand it because I went to a smaller school further away on the other coast or whatever. And so, like, they'll just sort of take you aside. and Like, the idea of Matt Iglesias, like, who's not an idiot, but is not nearly as smart as he believes himself to be, just, like, sitting America down and being like, now, Roe v. Wade, it's a pretty big deal. And, like, you know, flipping the chair around and sitting down backwards and, like, rapping at you about it. Yeah.
2: After school special. Yeah, vibes. seriously. Hey, kids, I hear that you've got some questions about the Supreme Court. Let me wrap with you. Yeah. Um, I think that I, I feel like the problem is that uh, this speaks to like a, a line of thinking that says, you know, like you're saying, Roth, like, oh, this isn't going to be understood or settled until I make a hit on uh, CNN's State of the Union or until I talk yep. with Chuck Todd about it <laughs> right meet the press. Uh, like, what what planet or perhaps what even alternate universe do you live in where this has not at the most, or I should say at the least, been uh, a constant drumbeat since Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death? I, I cannot fathom the, the depths of stupidity that it takes to even yeet something like that into Twitter, uh, especially when your brand is supposed to be Thinker. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been also, like
0: it, it's been the major campaign issue of my lifetime. I'm 44. I've I, never not heard people arguing about it. It this is the, the thing that's incredible
1: about it, though, too. And this is like the Simmons-y part of it to me, is that like it really shows you what he's reading, who he's talking to, whatever, that like this is something that like I think he earnestly believes that like nobody's talking about this or nobody's talking about it correctly or whatever. In the same way that like because Bill Simmons has only spoken to the same five people for the last thirty years. He's like always coming up with these very obvious, like sort of like basketball takes that strike him as like bolts from the blue that right. must be shared. You, know, he's right. like, Have you guys this- notice this Luka Doncic guy? He's really got it. Yeah, like,
0: there's there's never any intellectual overlap between like people like hit, like any idea he has or or Matt has. Is the first idea that time that idea has ever been, like, conceived of? Yeah. Which is-
2: I mean, I feel like what we're doing right now essentially recreates the atmosphere that he is in. Basically, three guys in a room talking about Roe v. Wade. Yeah, <laughs> his, his experience. Mm, is we're his talk- experience of this. Aren't we talking we've, we've- about
1: what we talk about when we talk about Roe v. Wade? Isn't that a little
0: more dumb? Are we saying, are we saying Roe v. Wade exists? Is that what we're saying? But time for the time for the mashup are you no. ready to be subjected to the mashup <laughs> no. justin don't no. do it
2: all right i actually tough. would like to hit the ejector button right now if i tough could.
0: shit you get the mashup here we go it's only last june when her old man ran away couldn't stop crying because he knew he was gone to stay with me because you're all i need what two artists are that
2: I'm sorry, I'm bleeding from my eyes, yeah. from thank,
0: you. thank you. thank you. That's an I, acceptable I, answer.
2: I can't begin to <laughs> decipher that uh, i'm I'm just gonna say uh herb Albert and the Tijuana brass That's... and uh and who's Diplo. the second one? <laughs> and Diplo, I have <laughs> no idea.
0: Roth, can you guess? uh the second one's Sam Smith, right? That is correct. That's Sam Smith. Stay with first me. First one I got nothing on. I got to be honest with you. Uh, first one is my favorite song by Prince. It's like it never take the place of your man. Oh, Prince. wow. All right.
2: I guess so it's. You're your... saying you butchered the hell out of that. <laughs> <laughs> is
1: that. Is that a little. That was like some Minnesota on Minnesota violence that Justin That's had right. to endure yeah. beyond the sonic assault.
0: I, I forgot yeah. to tell you that uh, Justin is from Minnesota. He's a Vikings fan. So you're fired, Roth. This is a, a Vikings podcast. Cool. Now. Well, at least you guys were kind of passive-aggressively nice about it. I appreciate that. Yeah,
2: We are now going to talk about the Randall Cunningham era of the Vikings for (laughs) uh, 45
0: minutes. Roth, you did a really good job being a podcast host for a guy from New Jersey. So I can't tell if I'm being insulted or not, so thanks. (laughs) Your guy of the week in honor of Todd Gurley is Ahmad Bradshaw, who famously avoided scoring in the Giants' last Super Bowl victory over the Patriots, Todd Gurley against the Lions last week, not so fortunate. It ended up losing. A, I, just the idea of the Atlanta Falcons choking is very is quite standard, really. But then doing it to a team coached by Matt Patricia blows my mind, and all because Todd Gurley scored a touchdown. Just a remarkable feat. True NFC
1: well, North hours or NFC do, North hours there. Do you have
0: fond? Do you have fond memories of Ahmad Bradshaw Roth? Yes, of course.
1: I mean, every Giants running back is special to me. Uh, Ahmad Bradshaw was actually kind of good in a lot of ways. like, there's a, a type of running back that the Giants liked for the longest time. Uh, like Brandon Jacobs or Derek Ward or these kind of just like rectangular guys that thought that like. Dang like weird. cutting would be like that was like unethical or like cowardly. <laughs> <laughs> Bradshaw was kind of like shifty and like he was a little bit more fun to watch. I, I generally good, got some joy out of him.
0: He was a good football player. He Justin, was. did you enjoy the Ahmad Bradshaw years? Uh sure.
2: Why not? I'll 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 cop to that. I thought um, you
0: were gonna give Justin a Viking.
2: No, I mean, listen. If we're gonna play, remember some remember some giants uh, running backs. Like, do do we have to talk about thunder and lightning? Is that where this podcast
0: is? going? Hell yeah, uh, yeah. I was gonna Ron that was Dane? yeah. Ron Dane and who was oh god, Tiki. Who was the other one? Tiki oh, and Barber. Tiki. But did Tiki play with Bradshaw too, or was that a different running back tandem?
1: The Bradshaw overlapped with, um, not with Derek Ward, but with uh, jeez.
0: Really? It might have
1: been like end stage Tiki. That's oh, you possible. know
0: what? It was with Brandon Jacobs, the immortal Brandon mm-hmm. Jacobs. That's oh, wow, the beast. He was such a beast for like four months, maybe. Something yeah, like one that. of the most mysterious
1: items I found at Goodwill. Um, to that segment, I know I know our readers and listeners love to hear me talk about going to the garbage store. Uh, a Brandon <laughs> Jacobs Giants jersey that someone had just like clearly by hand just removed the nameplate from the back of it like, like they ripped, were, it off, <laughs> ripped it off ripped it off or like or cut it off with like an exacto knife i don't know what happened whatever it was they they were like love the jersey love the number cannot abide brandon jacobs can't even see his
0: name on it were there like frayed stitches still yes. left like yeah the name
1: like it off? looked like it had been chewed
0: off like it was there's something really like cursed about the garment Like a chalk outline of a murder victim on the (laughs) fucking sidewalk. You want a a fun bag question, Justin? Yes, sir. Uh, This is from Claire. This is awfully Ringer-esque, but I put it in here anyway. My friends and I have been having a weekly remote Nicolas Cage movie night almost since the beginning of the whole shitstorm. We're on week 28, and just like the Rona, there is no end in sight. Nick Cage has made many movies, but even this far in, we have not been able to crack the central Cage enigma. Is he good? or is he bad justin
2: oh i mean that's that's an easy question uh listen listen reader i want you to get real close uh uh sit down i'm going to rap to you <laughs> nicholas cage is objectively good and <laughs> i'm going to make my case not from like mid stage or late stage but early stage because honestly raising arizona is perhaps one of the funniest movies of all time and his performance in that uh and pairing with holly hunter is is outstanding to watch um and i know a lot of people get traction out of like the fact that cage what was it? It was the same year that he did Leaving Las Vegas. Was He also did, was it The Rock or whatever it was? It was either like, The
0: Rock or Con Air. Both, both yeah. movies I liked. But yeah. Like. yeah,
2: and so we are obviously veering very dangerously into ringer territory with this. But I, I, I think the man is good. I think that the man also knows exactly what he is and what he's doing in this late stage. And I think that there is something really, really fun to 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 watch with that if you cannot get a kick out of just watching something as as silly uh and harebrained as like national treasure uh I, i i don't know what to do i don't know what to do with you i think i think he just has a lot of fun uh and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that and to me in some ways it's almost like he hearkens back to a kind of leading man from like the 50s and 60s who it's like i'm just the guy who makes this type of picture and right. I'm okay with that. And uh, you know, I, I think we could use more of that. Like if if Channing Tatum wanted to be that guy, he could be that guy. And I appreciate Nicolas Cage for all of his efforts.
0: Yeah, he's he's a great actor. And i have never, I'm I'm someone who hated leaving Las Vegas and had to watch it uh, in Alcohol Education after I was arrested for DUI eleven years ago. And I still hated it then. Wait, they uh, made you watch that? They assigned you that movie? Yeah, we had to watch it. All of it? We had to watch all, because each meeting was an hour, so we watched it over two sessions over the course of (laughs) a week. the state was like, it's got nudity in it.
2: Okay, but also, why is the state trying to teach people lessons in the same way that a substitute teacher tries to kill (laughs) (laughs) hours? What the hell is that about? I don't
0: know. To to my credit, I never had a drink and drove again, but still, it was not... (laughs) I would not consider it an ideal form of alcohol education, but Nicholas Cage is a great actor. He's never made a a movie worse, in my opinion. And if he's if he's gonna make a bad movie, he's at least gonna make the bad movie more interesting. Yeah,
1: that's what I, that's the thing I would say in his defense is that like he's been in like I, I haven't seen as many of the like really late stage like the the sort of like Ghost Rider era or like Drive Angry and stuff where he's not even like twitching and being weird anymore where he's just kind of like medicated looking and it's just, you know, speaking and, like, wearing shades indoors and all that shit. Right, yeah, yeah. But when he was in, like, crappier movies when he was a little more volatile, and I think he still does this every now and then, where he just plays the whole movie in, like, full spasm in every scene, like, that's... He is adding value to something that would otherwise not have value, and that I respect very much.
0: Yeah, those movies where he never blinks yeah, real He's, uh,
1: I would also like to put a word in for Mandy, which is excellent, and which he is excellent in. Uh, Justin, it might be a little scary for you. I don't know. Uh, it's not that scary, but he is like – it's the last truly like bizarre Nicolas Cage performance that I've seen, and it's from like two years ago. Ooh, well, man. I will
2: make sure to not put that in my queue. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, email of the week comes from Matt, Justin. He asks, what's the worst possible snack food to eat stale? I'm going with cheese balls. and no, this has nothing to do with the can of them I left sitting on the counter, lit on for all the fucking good it did for a week, and then tried to return to during game six of the Stars Lightning Series. What is the worst snack food to try to eat stale,
2: Justin? That is, that's a really excellent question, uh, and thank you for that. I feel like, ooh, I mean, obviously, anything in the anything in the it needs to be crunchy territory is going to be an abomination. I right. feel like I feel like uh, one of them that is so disappointing when it is stale is tortilla chips.
0: Yeah, especially ooh. if you're like
2: in a in a mindset where you're like, oh, I just want some chips and salsa or chips and guacamole, or I'm gonna, the worst scenario being, hey, I think I've got some chips left. I'm gonna make some nachos, right? And then you go to the bag and you discover that they're just this sort of sad in-between state of decay. Uh, And you always end up eating more than one, just to be sure, out of like that sadness (laughs) of, I really want this to work. Maybe I just got the one bag chip.
1: That is too relatable and depressing because I, I think I just did that like two or three days ago. Like, with the idea of, like, eating one chip and be like, that's bad. And then, like, be like, well, let's see what's, what's happening with this one. Because that might have... <laughs> yeah. Maybe I just got a dud. Maybe I yeah,
0: pulled a maybe dud out of the bag. Maybe that was a distressed asset chip that you've, you... Know,
2: but I, I, But to be... I mean, not to bring it too down, but I think there's also something that happens now because of the garbage fire that is 2020, where, you know... The ability to just say like, "Oh well, fuck it," I'm just gonna run out and go get another bag of chips has now turned into the mental exercise of how much do I want the salty snacks (laughs) (laughs) to have to navigate uh, the the minefield, the COVID minefield, Uh, you know. And obviously, it's easier in some places like others. Living in New York, there's bodegas everywhere, Um, but still, it's just the hassle of. Okay, well, I got to put on the mask, even though I know the mask is good. I got to take all these precautions. Even if I'm at the store, I'm probably going to have heightened anxiety levels. Is it worth it just to make some nachos? I feel like I've gotten to the stage of shopping now that is on the level of pioneers, right? Where it's like, well, I gotta get all my provisions because if I if if I don't, then I'm not gonna be able to make it through the pass when winter comes.
0: Right. (laughs) Oregon Trail mindset. That's where you have to get. I don't have a beef with stale cheese balls because I've eaten stale cheese balls and still enjoy I'm I'm more than willing to power through stale cheese balls, particularly like like wet cheese balls. Like if I've been in a pool and then I and then I take my wet hand and I dump it into the barrel. And I keep eating them. I got no issue with that. My my.
2: Look at fucking J. Paul Getty over yeah, here. I what have, is this scenario you just set up? Where you're lounging in a pool eating cheese balls? I have I have swum. That's I have gone in a
0: swimming pool in my lifetime. You know, not every year was 2020. There was a past. Like I I went. Hmm. I did things in the past when you were allowed to do things, and one of them includes swimming and then eating some cheese balls. After anyway, my answer is a saltine. Just a bad. Oh yeah, you can't eat soft. Those. Like you, you bite into a saltine and it's soft, and you're like, oh, like you have to like, you have to like chew a little, like to break it. Like <laughs> it's very, yeah, it's weird. Those get stressing to me. That is
1: a bad type of stale. Because like a bad tortilla chip is like you can kind of taste what it used to be like. It's just lacking one of the the attributes that makes it good. A saltine, if it is not crispy, is flour. Like it's just nothing. It's gruel. <laughs> And yeah, a
0: bad, a bad tortilla chip is actually a tortilla, if I made Mitch Hedberg the joke. Yeah,
1: that's
2: good. Solid. Thank
0: you. Thank you very much. It's, like, it's
1: all the, the delivery. You and Mitch, man. Two
2: masters. <sighs> it's a Minnesota pro- podcast now.
0: Freddie <laughs> Nix is a producer and engineer. Daisy Rosario is our executive producer. Get better, Daisy. Our theme song is by the immortal Kirk Hamilton. And you can listen to ad-free episodes of The Distraction only on Stitcher Premium. Thanks to us. That includes Justin, because Justin's One of the pirates now. He's so generous. You can get a free month of Stitcher Premium right now. Go to stitcherpremium.com. Use the promo code DISTRACT. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you listen. And go subscribe to defector.com, too. And please vote. Uh, Because by the time we see you next, there will have been an election. And, God, I hope there's a a verdict to that election by the time we podcast. If there's not, we'll be podcasting from our bunker in the... uh, as we avoid the, uh, the the gruesome sweep of the ghost army sweeping over the land. Expect big uh, energy. Yeah, it'd be great, Justin. You were a fantastic guest. Please yeah, come on you. again soon. And I hope you guys all have a happy and safe Halloween. Eat lots of candy. Bye. Good night, America.